All right, how's everybody doing this morning? Good. Well, I've got some stuff to talk about. I'm going to pray. Jesus, help us. Amen. All right. So we've been going over this series called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. It's based out of this book by Andy Stanley. And it covers five questions of how we can make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. Uh, number one is, I am, being, am I being honest with myself? Really? What story do I want to tell? What's, what's the legacy I want to leave? Uh, number three, is there a tension that needs my attention? We talked about that last week. Four, what is the wise thing to do? And five, what does love require of me? So today we're going to look at the maturity question, which is, what is the wise thing to do? Um, disclaimer, asking this question is going to require some work. It might not feel good. It's going to require us to grow up a little bit, but it's an important key to making better decisions and living with fewer regrets. How many of us have regrets in here? I mean, I do. Right? Do you want to live with fewer of them in the future? Okay, so you're with me. You're down for the work, right? Okay, cool. Let's look at it. What is wisdom? Here's a definition from the Oxford Dictionary. It might not make it up there. I'm going to read it anyways. The soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Here's another one the body of knowledge and principles that develops within a specified society or period. So, wisdom involves knowledge, experience, and good judgment. And then applying it, actually doing it, right? Someone's giving us advice and they don't do it themselves, you're like, well, it must not be very good. So, true wisdom is these principles and applying it. I think that second definition is really interesting to me. Because it's saying that wisdom is a body of knowledge, and it's drawing from a group of people, not just one. And then they're developing principles, and they live by these principles, and they're a specified society at a certain period of time. So there's a specific wisdom for a specific group of people in a specific place and time. I just think that's interesting. Sometimes we just we think of wisdom as like, oh yeah, it's wisdom. It's this broad general thing. But it's specific. Like there's trade wisdom, right? Tricks of the trade, tools of the trade. Uh, I'm a lineman, and we've got trade wisdom, trade, trade knowledge. Uh, there's stuff that I draw from. I don't have to go make all the same mistakes that other guys have made. I can draw from their knowledge and experience. And then I can share that experience with younger guys. Um, and that makes me a better lineman. There's plumbing knowledge, which I became really acquainted with uh, this weekend. So we had some countertops uh, installed in our, in our house, or redone, right? And they did an awesome job. They, they take out the countertops, they take out the old sinks, put them in, put in the sinks, but then you've got to put the fixtures back in, right? Easy, right? I thought I knew what I was doing. I kind of just went at it with a bunch of silicone caulk and what I had. I, I was like, I mean, this makes sense to me. I'm going to make what I have work. And I just kind of charged ahead. Uh, I could have called Harold Moore, you know. He's a master plumber. Uh, Randy's done like hundreds or thousands of sinks. I could have, I could have uh, drawn on that wisdom that was there, but I didn't. 
I just charged ahead. I was just like, man, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to hammer it till it works. Well, so uh, I did all that. I wasted like a day and a half messing with it. I got silicone everywhere, and it's not going to come off some things ever. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, so, and I still had like leaky sinks. All of them leaked. <laughs> so I called Randy, and he came over and helped me redo four sinks. He did two, and I did two. And just so you know, the two that he redid don't leak. The two that I redid still leak. So I got to fix those today. So there you go. Wisdom. A body of knowledge, a set of principles, principles developed by a specified group of people for a set period of time. So we as Christians, we're a specified, we're a specific society in this day and time right now, right? We're a chosen people. We're a kingdom of priests. We're new creations in Christ, if you're a Christian. So our wisdom is the knowledge of God. And we live by the principles based on who he is and what Jesus has done for us. And we live based on who he says we are. Right? This is what Paul prays for the Colossians. Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's really good. Paul prays that we as Christians come to the full assurance and understanding of Christ himself, because he says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what he's saying is that everything we need in life is in Jesus. He's our wisdom now. There's another wisdom that Paul warns of. Uh, in verse 8, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the, wor the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. So he's warning about, hey, there's, there's other wisdom out there, right? Because wisdom is a, a set of principles and a body of knowledge for a specific group, right? There's worldly wisdom. We're not a part of that group anymore. Don't be taken captive by the, those old principles, those elementary pr principles of the world. And they're always, guess what? We're here. We live in the world. They're always going to compete for our attention. They're always going to compete. Those principles are going to compete for a place at the table and our decision making. And we don't, we don't need to. We don't need to be deceived by them. We're redeemed, right? I'm not a part of that anymore. I'm not a part of that group anymore. I'm redeemed. I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. We've got real wisdom now, and it's Jesus. So that's why we're here right now. That's why I came here today. We're after God's wisdom. We're after who God is. Right? We're here in church to share the knowledge of Christ. We're supposed to, we're, we're supposed to be drawing from each other and our experiences. Right? I don't have to navigate raising kids in this day and age to love God and to seek after God. I don't have to figure it out myself. I can draw on other people that have done that, other parents that have been there before me. So that's, that's why Jesus wants us to come together as a church, to encourage each other, to follow him. He's revealing his wisdom through other people in our lives within the church. Um, we can come here and we've got people who will walk with us when we're battling cancer, navigating rough times in your marriage. There's wisdom here for that. So we're after God's wisdom. That's why we're here in church. Proverbs 9 says very clearly that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's look at what Paul says about living with wisdom. And really, I'm just kind of going over why do we need wisdom. 
before we kind of dive into the, the questions we're going to ask ourselves. So he says this in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So then, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul says, be careful. So, we all agree we should probably live wisely, right? Like, no one has a problem with that, that statement. We should all live wisely. Yeah? But what does that mean, really? Can you make a choice and it not be wrong, but it still be unwise? Have you ever said, uh, one more beer won't hurt me? One more car, we can, we can make one more car work. One more X, insert whatever right there. Have you ever said, it's not illegal, so, right? You ever said, it's not that bad, which is kind of like, if you gotta say that, something's up. Uh, it's not hurting anyone, it's not a problem yet, it's not that big of a deal. It hasn't killed me yet. I've said that. <laughs> Would those same statements have been made following the question, is this the wise thing to do? Does that sound like, that doesn't sound like wise living. We've all agreed we should live wisely. But all of us have said one of those statements before. And now we can agree that doesn't sound like wise living, right? So here's a quote from this book by Andy. It sums up why we're looking at this question today. Our greatest regrets are preceded by a series of unwise decisions. Ouch. <laughs> Does that take you somewhere? <laughs> takes, takes me somewhere in my mind. It's like, golly. That's so right. So isn't it in our human nature, though, to live at the edge of illegal? Not legal. Not that illegal, right? How often have we gone as close to the edge of sin as we can get without sinning? Uh, how far can I go before there's, there's not consequences? We wouldn't consider that wise living, but we do that all the time, right? As parents, we, we, uh, we don't set the bar that low for our kids, right? Well, if it's not illegal, Etta, don't worry about it. No, I mean, that's, that's silly. We want the best for our kids. God wants the best for us. He doesn't want us living at the edge of disaster. So here's a picture for you. So let's say there's a toddler playing at the edge of a pool, a swimming pool. No adults around, right? You'd freak. We'd all freak looking at that picture. Why? He's not even wet yet. He's, he's not doing anything wrong. He's not hurt yet. What are you freaking out about? Because we know what's next. He's on the edge of disaster, right? And you can see that a lot in other people's lives. You're like, oh, man. But you can't see it in your own a lot of times, right? So God doesn't want us at the edge of disaster. Wisdom is a different standard. So we've got to ask ourselves some, some really hard questions. What's, what's the wise thing for me to do? It's really easy to see the wise thing for somebody else. And that's not really our problem. Our problem is us. So let's look at verse 15 again. It says, so then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, that is wise. So our standard is no longer at the edge of disaster. We're not the toddler at the edge of that pool anymore. What does wisdom look like in that situation? It's the toddler playing on the outside of a fence 15 feet away from the edge of the pool with kitty locks on it. 
That's what wisdom looks like. So that's where we want to be. God's redeemed us, he's restored us, and he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we want to live by Christ's wisdom, God's wisdom. Our standard's different now. And why? Why would we want to live as wise? Paul says this in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He's got good stuff for us to do. We don't have time to be living at the edge of disaster. He's got great things for us to do. We don't want to live on the, the edge of disaster, creating more regret for ourselves. He made us for better things. We want to become all that he's called us to be and do all the things that he's called us and made us for. It says right here, he's made us for, for great and good works. So this wisdom question isn't supposed to be a downer. It's like, oh, great, you know, now I've got to be mature and grow up. It's actually should be a joy because we're going to be better. What would our lives look like if all the different areas of our life was submitted to Jesus and looked the way that he intended them to look? You think it would be worse or better? It'd be better. Ephesians 5, verse 16. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. What does that mean? The days are evil. That's what it means. The days are evil. Every day we've got opportunities, multiple times a day, to screw up and undermine God's will for our lives and what God wants to do in and through us. I mean, minute by minute, we've got choices, right? And we don't have much help from the culture either. We don't have much help from this world. We don't have a culture that's standing by as like, we're ready to support you in following Christ. No. It's, they've, they've set themselves up against everything that Christ is for, whether it's dismantling the family or entertainment, um, Everything that doesn't line up with what they're all about right now. I mean, it's not even like, oh, you're, you disagree and you're different. It's like, no, if you disagree, you're evil. If you don't support this or that, you're evil. Right? So we don't, we don't have a culture that's supporting us in this. Uh, even economically, we're not being supported in doing what's wise. Right? We're always hounded to buy, buy this, buy that. You need this. This is the next best thing. Don't miss, out your, don't, don't miss out on this. This is your last chance. They're going fast. You know, what car salesman was like, do you think this is the wise thing for you to do? Ah, sweet harmonica. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so we have to make the most of our opportunities because the opportunities are still coming. They're coming at us constantly. The days are evil. It's not going to stop. And we've got to live wisely. We've got to make the most of our opportunities. Jesus said... Small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. Because the days are evil. We've got so many opportunities. And we also, have, life is hard as it is, right? But we also have an enemy. We've got the devil seeking to destroy and devour us. He's looking for opportunities to discourage us, to take us out, so that we don't become all that God's promised us, all that God has planned for us. So, Here's my analogy about living wisely. Have you ever been to a state fair or a carnival in one of those fun houses? And there's, there's always some sort of room that has like a moving floor, whether it's like the floor's just constantly moving or like you're walking through a tunnel, right? So Jesus says, uh, narrow is the gate, or small is the gate and narrow is the road to life. So Jesus and, and the door to life is the other side of that room, right? 
It's hard enough. Living wisely is just getting there. It's hard enough as it is, right? So what if you put roller skates on? That seems like a great idea, right? It's not wrong. It's not wrong. To, it's not a sin to put roller skates on. Are you kidding me? Like, why not, right? But are you, gonna, you may not make it to that door. You might not make it. And if you do, you're going to be beat up. You're going to waste a lot of time and a lot of energy. And that's what living unwisely is. You might make it to, to that door. But how much time, how many you're going to have regrets, man. This is going to end up on, the, uh, on ridiculousness or something. I'm sure someone's done it. So to live wisely is to get to the other side. And the floor is going to, that's life. The floor is going to keep on moving. It's already difficult as it is. So don't add something that's going to make it harder for yourself. That's what living wisely is. Um, Ephesians 5.17. There we go. Therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be foolish. Don't put roller skates on in a fun house. It's not going to be that fun. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul is saying two things here in verse 17. But before I get into that, what's our standard again? What's our, what's our standard? It's not at the edge of disaster, right? It's G- who's our standard, really? It's Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's our standard, right? So, Paul's saying, understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, we have to seek what the will of the Lord is through knowing him and his word and praying over parts of our lives. When we're trying to make a decision, what is the wise thing to do? God, what would you have me do, Lord? What decision should I make here? Help me, guide me. You might have to draw on some experience in the church, in the body of God to kind of get an answer. So, I mean, you think about the endless decisions we have day to day. It's, it's difficult. It's kind of like crushing. It's overwhelming to think that I have to take every decision and ask myself, what, what would God have me do? What is the wise thing for me to do? But James says that if we lack wisdom, God, we pray, and God will gladly grant it to us. He's just waiting for us to ask him. He's waiting for us to seek him. He's waiting for us to get the wisdom from him. But you've got to want to. You've got to want to know what God's will is. Some of us don't want to know. I mean, I've been there. It's like, I don't want to know what you think. I just want what I want. I want to do it. And then I regret it. Um, I don't want it to cost me. Some, some of you know that if, if, you, if you submit a decision and look for the wise thing to do according to God's wisdom, it's going to probably cost you something. It's probably going to it's going to cost you some work. You're going to have to work at it. And some of us don't want to go there. So we just keep doing what we're doing, and then we keep wondering why we're living with regrets. So part of making wise decisions is that we've got to be equipped to do it. Well, here it is. It's the Word of God. We are equipped. He's given us all the, the riches and spiritual blessings in heaven. He's already equipped us, but we have to want it. We have to grab a hold of it. We've got to seek it out. So we can be confident and know what the wise thing to do is through God, through knowing his word, through his Holy Spirit speaking to us, through praying over things and drawing on the knowledge of the people around us who are also walking towards him. Second thing Paul is saying, and Andy again sums it up really well in this quote, we have to face up to what we know we ought to do in our hearts. So, when we find out what God wants us to do, 
We should do it. Not hide from it, not play games, not excuse, you know, not make excuses, not delay, not rationalize away what we need to do. We need to stop pretending. Randy talked about uh, this uh, aspect in the first, the first question of the series, which is, I am, am I being honest with myself? Really? We're the masters of our own self-deception. Who's going to deceive you better than yourself? Nobody. Right? So some of us know what we need to do. And we've known for a while. We need to stop running from it. We need to stop delaying. Because that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is a two-part thing. You know it, and then you do it. So, that's why Paul says, don't be foolish. And this is a reason that we can see wisdom for everybody else but ourselves. It's because we're not willing to be honest with ourselves. So, when you get wisdom, act on it. It's going to require work. But that's maturity. That's what spiritual maturity is. That's what being a disciple of Jesus is about. This is the process of him filling us with all of his fullness. It's every part, every aspect of our lives. And it seems like a tall order. seems almost impossible. I know when I'm, I'm thinking right now about my life and all the, it's like I, I see a total difference in who I want to be, who God's called me to be, and where I am right now. But God's going to do it. He promises to do it in and through us, through Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? Paul says it like this to encourage us. In Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I have already grasped it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I all, may also take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. So press forward. We have to part, God wants to do so much in our lives, but we have to partner with him in it. We have to take hold of what God has taken hold of us for. But that requires some work. We've got to ask ourselves some questions. Okay? So here's the question. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? We've got to ask ourselves this question. God's not going to force us to do this. We have to partner with him so that we can become all that he's called us to be and to do all the things that he's called us to do. So we can break this question up into three smaller questions. In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing for me to do? Are there areas that you're weak in? All of us have areas that we're weak in, right? There's some things, there may be some things that you can't do that aren't wrong. They're not wrong for anybody else. But they're going to be wrong for you. They're not going to be wise for you to do because of where it's going to take you. They may be perfectly fine and legal. They might even be good things. But for you, it's unwise for you to do that because of where that's going to take you. Right? You know your past. Whether it's alcohol, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to drink. Jesus made water into wine, right? Maybe it's not wise for you to drink because you're addicted or you have tendencies. There may be certain parties you can't go to because of that. There may be certain friends that you can't be around because of that. They're not bad people. They may not be bad friends. But being friends with them takes you somewhere you don't want to be. So what's the wise thing to do? Pornography. Guys, and this has been me. You know, there's certain apps we just shouldn't have on our phone. There's certain times we shouldn't be on our phone. There's certain entertainment that's just not, we just shouldn't even go there. There may be social media 
that is just all fine and good, but the filters in it aren't great. And you know that where that's going to take you. And we just, the wise thing is just to get rid of it. Get rid of it. We've got better things to, to live for. We don't want to live on the edge of disaster. We don't want to live a few steps from the edge of that pool. Uh, gambling, right? If we got a problem with ga- gambling, it might not be wise to vacation in Vegas. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not illegal. But it's not wise for us to do that. Maybe you're on your second marriage and you want this one to, to work, right? Well, what would the wise thing be to do? Maybe on the last one you didn't do any marriage counseling. Maybe the wise thing to do is to reach out for help and start, go to some marriage counseling. You know, uh, look at your past, your past regrets, and where did they start? And where could you insert wisdom in those decisions? Because we don't want to live on the edge of disaster. We've got more to live for. We're a new creation in Christ. We don't have to live by the world's wisdom. We can live wisely. In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? Where are you at right now? There's another question we can ask. Where are you at? Are you in a frustrating place? Jesus said in Matthew 6.34 that every day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow because today's got enough trouble of its own. Is that not the truth? The days are evil, right? There's enough worries for today. But you can't let the worries and troubles of today force us. We can't let it force us into making decisions we're going to regret for years to come, right? That's going to rob us from what we know God's called us to be and to do. So are you in a good place right now? Can you make a wise decision right now? That's a tough question. Are you super frustrated? Are you angry? Are you depressed? Are you, are you desperate? Are you going to make a wise decision right now? Or do you need to wait? Um, for me, when stuff is not going the way I want to, I have a tendency to just, I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to make something happen. I'm frustrated. I'm going to make something happen. And it usually ends up in apologies and regrets and stuff. I mean, I, I would think of it as like, this door's closed, and so like, I'm frustrated, and I'm not thinking, and I'm just going to beat holes through the door. And then someone walks up behind me and just turns the doorknob and goes through. And some of us are like that. The pressure of what's going on right now seems like it's, it's just so important to do this right now. But it, the wise thing may be to wait, to seek God, to pray. Have you ever been in a season that really stinks? It's stressful. You don't know if it'll ever end. You're like, oh, this is just impossible. I feel hopeless. Oh, you know, when is this ever going to end? And then your parents let you out of timeout five minutes later? You know? Or, okay, a week later, all those troubles that were such a big deal don't seem like that big of a deal. Right? It gives you perspective. It's like, yeah, I wish I had handled that better. So where are you right now? In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing to do? Why am I doing this right now? Why do I feel like I have to do this right now? What's the wise thing to do? Um, do I need this car right now? Do I need to change jobs right now? Can I handle this job? What is the wise thing to do in this season? We just have to recognize that life comes in seasons. So here's the third and last question of the big question. In light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Where do you want to be in the future? Life comes in seasons, right? So what do you want your next season to look like? What do you want your marriage to look like in 20 years? 
hopefully still married, right? 30, 40 years. What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do to make that happen? It's going to require work. You know what, it, you know what it's going to take. Um, do you want to be debt-free? What's the wise thing to do right now so that you're debt-free in the future? Do you want to be free of an addiction that you're battling, a stronghold you're trying to overcome? What's the wise thing to do right now to take you there? Is there something specific that God's called you to do in the future? You know you're not there yet, but you're going to get there. What is the wise thing to do? A lot of young people that we see, like on the news, uh, you know, get arrested or get into some serious trouble, we always say, man, they had such a bright future in front of them, right? Well, we could actually say that about ourselves. I mean, I can look at my, my young self like, man, I had such a bright future, you know? But life is going to happen to us if we don't decide where we want to be. So we've got to decide, where do we want to be? And how can I not rob myself of the future that I want to be at? What do you want your health to look like? What's the wise thing right now to do? What do you want your relationship with your kids to look like when they're grown? What is the wise thing to do right now? Are you doing something that you know is not going to take you there? What's the wise thing to do? Can you imagine where you'd be if you started asking this question when you were younger? You'd probably have fewer regrets. I know I would. So, what would happen if we decided where we wanted to be instead of just ending up somewhere? Here's a quote that's really good from this book as well. Everybody ends up somewhere in life, but it's better to end up somewhere on purpose. Wisdom paves the way. You're going to end up somewhere. You might as well end up somewhere on purpose. So what's the wise thing to do today? Um, so write some goals down. Maybe get with your wife or your husband. Agree on some goals. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot. Maybe it's just some big heading goals. We still want to be together in 30 years. You know, we want our kids to like us. Well, write those down. Agree on it. Pray about it. See what the wise thing to do is. If you find yourself saying stuff like, I'm not doing anything wrong. People do this all the time. I can handle it. It's not illegal. Stop and check yourself. You might be robbing yourself of your future hopes and dreams. Right? You might be robbing yourself of all that God wants you to do in your life and who God wants you to become. Maybe you need to ask yourself that. Maybe if you hear somebody talking like that, that's a brother in Christ, maybe you need to ask them, hey, what's up? You know, that's what we need to do in the church. We see somebody going down a road, maybe we need to ask them, hey, what's up with that? You think that's the wisest thing to do? They may hate you for it. Maybe it'll get them to think. So, let's look at Ephesians 5.15 one more time. So then, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. But to be careful. We want to live wisely, not unwisely. God's wisdom is our standard. And in Christ, everything that we need for living is in him. All of our knowledge, all of our wisdom is in him. And what he's done for us and who he says we are. And we can, we can live on those principles. We don't have to use the world's wisdom. We want to take hold of what God has taken hold of us for. We want to partner with him by seeking what his will is in the church, in fellowship, and reading the word, and praying, submitting these decisions to him. 
and becoming all that he wants us to be. And we, we also partner by, by really asking ourselves the hard questions. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? I know it's gotten a lot of you thinking, maybe I need to look at this, maybe I need to look at that, maybe I need to actually do this. And God's strength and his grace and his power is enough to cover your regrets, your past mistakes, but then to give you a hope and a future and to help you do these things that you know are the wise things to do. He wants to empower you through his Holy Spirit to do those things. He wants to speak to you in certain areas of your life that you haven't been willing to look at. He wants to help you. He wants just, it's, in Ephesians it said, he wants more than we could ever ask or imagine for ourselves. He's a good God and he loves us. He's got a bright future for us. So we need to do these things. We need to ask these questions, these hard questions. They may be hard, but they're good. And God's good, right? We sang earlier, he's always up to something good. He's always up to something good. Even if it's work, even if it hurts. He's a good God. So, let's pray. Lord, help us to live wisely. Not as unwise, but as wise, Lord. Help us not to be foolish and help us to understand what your will is for us, God. Help us to be inspired and encouraged to overcome things that we haven't been able to overcome before. Because we know that you have the power, you have the wisdom, and, and you have your Holy Spirit, and you're with us, and you're walking with us. And we have the church around us. We have partners in Christ walking to you, Lord. And we're not alone. We thank you for your wisdom today. We just ask that you would speak to our hearts and show us what we should do in all things, Lord. Help us to become more like you, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence today. Help us to have a good week. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, you guys can get out of here. Have a great week. Love you.